Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. All right, bit of a summary. If you have been joining us over the last two Sundays, I'm certain you've been both encouraged um, and also challenged as we followed the story of Daniel, who we have seen, along with his mates, Shadrach, Meshach, and... Yeah, that's it. You said it, I didn't. They dared to follow God. So these young men were not shaken by the unreasonable life, threatening edicts of a powerful ruling King Nebuchadnezzar and the evil schemes of his official advisors. So in each life-threatening situation, refusing the king's food, for example, um, or resisting bowing down to the golden statue, we have seen God's protective hand over those who serve him with an undivided heart and steadfast faith. Now, isn't that really encouraging? It's really inspiring as well, but it's also super challenging, um, especially as we navigate living in our messy, postmodern, Babylon-type world as well. So do we dare to follow God? But praise God, he is good, he is sovereign, and he's always with us all the time. So I'd like to start things off by just asking you guys a question to think about or a a situation that you might have experienced. So have you been in a situation when someone else has taken the credit for something you've done or established or made? Or have you witnessed someone proudly taking credit or receiving praise for something they didn't actually do. Well, this kind of thing gets on my nerves. Um, uh, it really does. So I just think, you know, something's, something in me cries out, you know, this isn't fair. Um, it's so not right. Well, our daughter, Esther, experienced a situation like this. Um, many of you know Esther, uh, especially if you go to 10.30 MPK or you are an um, AMP youth in Amp Youth, so she's, a lead, she's been a leader there for a number of years, um, but she's working in Japan at the moment and really missing you all and Perth, by the way, so she's planning to come back in August. But let's just hear from Esther, so turn your eyes to the screen. Hey MPK and hey Mounties, Esther here tuning in from Japan. Anyway, my mom has asked me to share a story of something that happened to me when I was six years old, and here it goes. (coughs) Back in year one, my teacher gave us a Christmas craft. We were each given a small foam bell, a tray of glue, a paintbrush, and another tray filled with small pieces of colorful tissue paper. Our instructions were to take one of the tissue pieces, paint some glue on the back, gently stick it onto the foam bell, and then repeat this until the entire bell was covered. Everyone in the class had their own technique. Some were dipping the paper, others were using their fingers, and most of the boys were trying to jam 10 pieces on at once. Anyway, me and one of my friends decided to go with a matching colour scheme that I still remember well. Pale blue, pink, and purple. We also both decided to use the same gold thread as the string to hang our bells on the Chrissy tree. The only difference between our bells was our technique. 
Being a bit of a perfectionist, I was really taking the time to lay the pieces on so the bell wouldn't have any crinkles or air bubbles. My friend, on the other hand, ended up with quite a few on her bell. After everyone had finished decorating, my teacher collected them all on a white tray and then told us to remember what ours looked like. And at the time, I knew I wouldn't forget. Three days later, right before it was time for our class to go home, my teacher announced the bells were dry and ready to be collected. However, because we never named them, it was up to us to come to the front and claim our own creation. In school, I wasn't comfortable being first in line, and I was often at the back. So when it finally came to be my turn to collect my perfectly formed and decorated bell, what was left in that tray was a bell that had the same colours and shape, but also many crinkles and air bubbles. At first, I was so confused. Had my bell become messed up while it was drying? The hot Australian sun can do a number on things. Or maybe I just wasn't being as careful as I thought I was. But then, right in front of me, was my friend holding the perfectly smooth bell that I had taken such care to form. I knew that one was mine. So I told her, hey, I think that's my bell and I have yours. She shook her head. No, don't think so. This one is mine. The siren rang and we all walked outside the classroom to where all the parents were waiting. I saw my friend running to her mum, proudly showing off the bell she didn't even make. I felt a number of things as I looked down at my friend's bell in my hand. First of all, I felt like I couldn't be proud of this because it wasn't my own creation. I also felt frustrated at the injustice that couldn't be rectified. But most of all, six-year-old Esther just felt betrayed. How could a close friend do this? At the time, I was furious. And that's basically what happened. I guess back then, it seemed like such a big deal. Like it was kind of like the end of the world sort of deal. But nowadays, whenever we see that ornament um, hanging on the tree, honestly, it just makes our family laugh a lot. <laughs> it's very funny looking back. So yes, anyway, over to you, mom. So, as you can see, Esther still felt the vivid memory of um, the injustice she experienced when she was six years old. The reality of someone boasting and taking credit for something that was not right for them to be doing so. Well, in this week, we've landed in chapter four of the book of Daniel, where King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, was found taking someone else's credit, praise, and glory all for himself. But this someone wasn't just anyone. This someone was God. So chapter four is not so much about Daniel, one of Israel's um, greatest prophets, but more so about a proud, and powerful king's response to the king of kings, the mighty God, and the creator of all things. So now the Bible is about God. Um, so there's stacks of passages describing who he is. Now let's just ha have a look at a minutia of some of these um, passages in the Bible. So Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. He founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Psalm 22, 28 says, for kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Psalm 115, three says, our God is in the heavens. He does all he pleases. One Chronicles 29, 11 says, yours, O Lord, 
is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. And in the New Testament, um, Colossians 1.16, Paul says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So it seems in God's mercy, God wanted this proud king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, to learn this truth of who he was, who God is. But unfortunately, King Nebuchadnezzar chose to learn the hard way. So since chapter 2, God has been revealing his sovereign power and authority to Nebuchadnezzar, including a dream God used Daniel to interpret. So the king had even declared from his very own lips the greatness of Daniel's God. He said, truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. So he's talking about that dream that he, Daniel could interpret. And even after the golden statue episode, where Daniel's three mates are chucked into the fiery furnace for not obeying the king's command, then miraculously walk out completely unscathed, Nebuchadnezzar once again declares, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and <laughs> who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. And then he goes on further by declaring a ruling that anyone from any nation um, who says anything against the God of these guys be cut into pieces and their houses be destroyed for no other God can save in this way. So the king says this, for all his confessions and declarations, even first-hand personal experience of how great Daniel's God is, sadly, King Nebuchadnezzar still doesn't get it. But sometimes isn't that the same for us? So we can just respond by confessing all the goodness of God, that Jesus is Lord and boss of our lives, but quickly revert to our own means and ways of forgetting and failing to include God in our plans and activities, only to remember him later when things go wrong or, or very wrong. So, well, we will discover that there is hope for King Nebuchadnezzar, just as there's hope for you and me. Chapter 4 is also really, it's really cool. It's really unique because it's like an autobiography. It was written by King Nebuchadnezzar himself, addressed to the people and the nations of every language um, who lived in the world. So if we were living back then, that would definitely include us. But perhaps it could include us even today. So in his letter, Nebuchadnezzar recounts this second alarming dream God gives him. And he wants everyone in the whole world to know about his experience, how he learned the hard way, the truth about God, the Most High. So if we pick up in verse 18, it says that, he says that this is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Bel Belteshazzar, okay. um, that's the name that um, Daniel was given, his Babylonian name. So King Neb says, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. 
So once again, Daniel, with his God-given gifts, is the only one who can interpret the dream for the king. But Daniel is terrified with what God has revealed to him. So imagine being the bearer of bad news to someone you love, let alone a powerful and fearsome king. Remarkably, the king reassures Daniel and encourages him to speak, saying, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. So let's have a look at this week's video clip to, to find out a little bit more about what happens to this proud king. King Nebuchadnezzar had a special dream with a message from God. He asked all the wise men in his kingdom to tell him what it meant, but only Daniel was able to do so. In his dream, a huge tree stretched to the heavens. Animals and birds ate of its fruit and rested in its shade. An angel came and ordered the tree be cut down, but a stump be left behind. The angel ordered that Nebuchadnezzar be made to live like a wild animal for seven years. Daniel explained that the tree in the dream represented Nebuchadnezzar. He was a great king, but he would be made to live like an animal for seven years to learn that God is the king over all, even a king like Nebuchadnezzar. As Nebuchadnezzar walked amongst his palace, he bragged about his great kingdom. Then God spoke from heaven, saying Nebuchadnezzar would live like an animal for seven years to learn that God is the true king. He was driven from his people. He thought and lived like an animal. His hair and nails grew long. After seven years, the king's mind became clear again. He gave praise to God as the real king over all. Well, that's, that's, definitely, a great, um, that's definitely a great summary in um, animation of the chapter. But I do encourage you to actually... Get in there with God and um, have, a, have a read of the, the scriptures yourself and see what the Holy Spirit um, reveals to you. So Nebuchadnezzar had built a great kingdom whose empire held power and control that reached, verse 22 tells us, to the end of the earth. Now he ruled this vast empire, this great Babylon that sheltered many nations but he was in danger of taking credit for all that had been achieved for himself, and his heart was becoming proud. So verse 29 tells us a whole year passes, and Nebuchadnezzar does nothing to change. Forgetting about the message and the warning God had given him in his tree dream, not listening to Daniel's passionate advice at the time, who pleaded he would repent of his wicked ways um, and just do what is right. Just be kind to the oppressed, Daniel pleaded. So with a number of merciful warnings already dismissed by the king, it would take God's gracious but severe discipline for Nebuchadnezzar to finally humble himself before the one true God, king, God the Most High who alone is sovereign, which Psalm 103 says, established his throne in heaven and rules over all. But the arrogance and pride of the king was overripe. He stands on his balcony looking over the kingdom and boasts glory and credit to himself. Is not the great Babylon I have built as the royal, as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? 
Anyway, Nebuchadnezzar was surely walking in pride, which is a sin that the Bible says God hates. Pride separates us from God. So we know what comes next. All that God warned would happen, happened. King Neb chose to learn the hard way. His royal authority was taken away. He was driven from the people. He lived outside like a wild animal, with the wild animals, and he became hairy, and his fingernails, well, they they grew really gross. But by the seventh year, like God said, King Nebuchadnezzar finally humbled himself. He raised his eyes towards heaven, his sanity restored, and gave credit to the one it was rightly due. He praised the Most High. He, glor- he honoured and glorified God who lives forever. Now, Nebuchadnezzar learnt that God is sovereign over the kingdoms of humans and gives them to anyone he wishes, that God gives authority to the humble, not the proud, he says. King Neb says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Now Matthew 23, 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Now God certainly lifted Nebuchadnezzar up God's harsh but gracious discipline brought restoration. God restored the king's mind, his throne. He became greater than before. More importantly, God's generous grace and sovereign plan to humble pride-filled Nebuchadnezzar brought all glory to God. God's sovereign plan always comes to pass for our good and his glory. So isn't it amazing that this official document, this letter of declaration, this personal testimony of one of humanity's most powerful kings is included in the Bible for us today? So how are you sharing God's greatness of who he is and what he has done with the people in your world? This could be your friends at school, um, work colleagues, neighbours, family members, will you ask God to reveal who he wants you to share with and the courage and opportunity to do so? So, did King King Nebuchadnezzar dare to follow God for the rest of his life? We can't be certain, but only God knows. But we can learn from this pagan king who chose to learn the hard way that personal pride and taking credit for that which belongs to God is a recipe for disaster. So what does this mean for you and I today, now? So as much as this king's testimony is a blatant warning of the importance of humility before our sovereign God, we can take heart, we can be encouraged, we can take comfort. As one Bible scholar put it really well, no pride is too monstrous to disqualify us from receiving the grace of God. So if we were to grab just one truth this morning, one point of personal reflection um, and heart action, just to put into practice, it would be this. Humility is the key to being in a right relationship with God. So humility 
It's the key to being in a right relationship with God. So true humility is seeing ourselves as we truly are, like King Neb did. He finally did. Messed up, fallen in sin, and in absolute need of our loving Saviour God, who redeems us and restores us into a right relationship with him. True humility um, is to trust in the Lord with all our strength, leaning not on our own understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledging him. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. So in what areas of your life are you proud? Maybe it's that you're best at school, or uni, or academic learning, or, or in music or sport. Maybe you are super successful in your career um, or personal finances or even serving at church and helping with social causes. Maybe you're proud of your children's success. Will you ask God today to help you be humble and thankful and recognise your ultimate dependence is in him as the one who gave you life, ability, time and, and family? So the truth is there is no way any of us this side of eternity, can be perfectly humble. Jesus Christ, on the other hand, is our example of perfect humility. God, in Jesus, humbled himself for us. The King of kings, Lord of lords, creator of all heaven and earth and everything in it, the only one who deserves all glory, praise and honour, actually chose to humble himself, even stripping himself of all the heavenly privileges becoming a human being, living a life of utter obedience, even to the extent of death on a cross. And Jesus is what Colin Buchanan sings, all the glory of the one and only wrapped in perfect humanity. This is mind-boggling. This is wonderful, and it's outrageous all at once. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2.6 that Jesus' perfect humility is the very reason God has now lifted and exalted Jesus so high and has given him the name above all names that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus Christ's humility is our good news. So God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And part of believing in him involves humbling ourselves. So humility is the key to right, a right relationship with God. And those who humble themselves like King Nebuchadnezzar did will be exalted like Jesus. This is precious truth. And what better way of thinking about this precious truth than by sharing communion together this morning? Heavenly Father, how precious and how powerful it is to humble ourselves before you, to give you glory and give you praise, Lord. We agree with King Nebuchadnezzar when he says, how great are your signs, how mighty are your wonders. Your kingdom is eternal, an eternal kingdom. Your dom dominion endures from generation to generation. Lord, we ask that you help us to live our lives where we listen to your gracious warnings. We recognise any personal pride that gets in the way of our relationship with you. 
where we learn to quickly humble ourselves with true repentance, ready to receive your mercy and forgiveness. In the name above all names, Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Let's join with our worship team to magnify Christ's name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.